Hi, everybody. It's Pastor Brian, and this is a bonus episode of the Engaging Culture podcast. Recently, I had the opportunity to talk with my friend, Pastor Matt Bach, on the Bridgeway Facebook page about the subject of lament. And that conversation ended up being really rich, and I thought that Pastor Matt had some wonderful wisdom to share with us. So I decided that I wanted to get this out to as many people as possible. So we made it a bonus episode of the Engaging Culture Podcast. If you're unfamiliar with lament, I think you're going to see from this conversation just what a beautiful and wonderful gift it is that God gives us, that he invites us to lament. Uh, And if you're familiar with it, I think this will just encourage you to help you know that God is comfortable with us lamenting. He's comfortable with us expressing our heart and our emotions to him. And most importantly, wherever you are and your familiarity with lament, I think when we learn to lament and learn to lament well, it can actually increase our faith, increase our trust, and draw us closer to God. So I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope that you do as well. See you soon. Well, hi, everybody. It's good to be with you for another uh, noontime chat. This is the first one of these we've done this week, and today uh, I am joined by... Pastor Matt, Matt, how are you? Doing good. Uh, been up and around, going, doing a lot of different things today, but uh, you know, looking forward to talking about this subject matter. Hey, nothing to make your day better like a conversation about lament, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this was not the joy conversation. That's next time. This one's <laughs> lament. But um, but I've been really looking forward to this conversation, actually, because I think that even in sort of ordinary times, this, this crosses my mind, that I, I think in the Christian world, we talk a lot about joy, we talk a lot about happiness, we talk a lot uh, about just these sort of very positive emotions. And like, that's a great thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, I mean, there is joy to be had in, in Jesus and all of that's like, yes and amen to all of it. But, but at the same time, I think our faith gives us sort of resources to process pain and challenge and trauma and grief. And I think it's unfortunate that sometimes we can remain a little bit untrained in those things. And and I'm excited to talk today because I mean, you, you know, this is just that lament is this beautiful resource that scripture gives us that can be really helpful when, when things aren't great. And when we're not feeling like singing loud at the top of our lungs, right? Yeah. 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 It, it becomes uh it, it becomes this tool that we've, we're not coached or taught in it, like you said, en- enough and and almost not given permission. And that starts at a young age. And and then, you know, we start getting older and going through more difficulty, distress, anguish. And then we're like, well, how am I supposed to talk to God yeah. <laughs> in this? And so I hope that this, you know, becomes fruitful for people that haven't had a chance to to stir or reflect on it. Right. So, so broadly speaking, just as we're starting the conversation, can you give us kind of a working definition? What is what is lament for those who may be unfamiliar with the term? Yeah, um, lament is uh, is it's not a pessimistic view of life. Like I think the biggest piece that we're always trying to help people understand is that you're, it's not whining, it's not complaining, um, it, it's really a, a poignant cry of distress. It's 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 expressing grief, frustration, anger in whatever immediate or maybe even distant crisis or emotional state that someone is in. And, and you're always um, dialoguing and lament with kind of different subjects. And so op- sometimes it's you're, you're dialoguing and arguing with yourself or you're doing expression about yourself and what you think about yourself or how you feel. Um, often you're also highlighting external people, enemies, um, think people that are, are really wearing you down or even like 
circumstances and sometimes that's even bigger it can be um, a group it could be a system um, but then another piece is that the subject is often god that you end up directing your expressions to god and you're like hey i feel like you've left me on my own i feel like you're not answering me i feel like you're doing this and so um but but really they they give you this chance to concentrate on the problems of life with a, a passion and a zeal but you're you're affirming them to to god by surrendering these words to god mm-hmm. and then letting him be the last word and so really at its heart i mean lament is really um, it, it becomes this expression of grief, anger, frustration, but it becomes a move from that into trust in God's character and his power and his activity. And it helps you to look beyond your circumstances. And yeah. so, so that's kind of one way to look, to look at it. And, uh, and, and, and again, it's something that um, you're, you're calling upon God to act fairly and quickly. And that's not a bad thing because that's how it feels. And, and I think that's part of it is it's very earthly um, very earthy even language about this is the rawness of my emotions. Yeah. C- could you maybe unpack just a little bit more for us? You, you've touched on it some in, in, in just in, in that explanation. It, it, for those who, who might say, okay, um, I, I get it. Lament is important, but it does just, it just sort of feels like whining or complaining. Who, who am I to go to God and, and express myself in that way? Uh, in what, in what are some important ways that, that lament is a little bit different than, than just whining? Yeah. Um, What's nice is that uh, when we when we lament, when we weep, when we grieve, when we scream, even um, in pain and anger, uh, the Bible is telling us that it's okay to go ahead and do that. D. A. Carson ends up saying that, and and he actually goes the lament psalms and lament language. It goes here's words that you can use, and and part of what's happening with it is that it's it's those that are the closest with God that feel the most freedom to speak to God. So so the closer you are with God you can pour out that rawness. And I mean, if you think of it this way, um, you know, like there's certain people that we might break down in front of because of the level of relationship and nearness we have with them that we would not do with others. And and so this is kind of, a, you know, a, a, an aspect with the Lord of getting a chance to go, yeah, like I'm near to you. So I know I can say things at their rawest form in, yeah. in, in the ways that I can't say to it. I can't say to my wife. And I can't say to um, some of my best friends because they they still don't understand what's going on in here. And so, um, you know, and it just it becomes it becomes this this language that allows um, us to be reminded that God can hear it. And I think that's part of it is it reminds you that truth of prayer that God is a God who listens. He has open ears and He's very aware. Um, he knows actually better than we even realize how desperate and how hard pressed we are. He understands it better than any other person. And so he can handle any of those words and those expressions that come to him. Yeah. I, I like what you said about how, how lament is, is in many regards, a sign of nearness that, and I think the, the analogy to human relationships is a really good one that, that on some level, if you're expressing yourself in a, in a raw and very open manner, or you're letting someone in to places of hurt in your heart, that that's an extremely vulnerable thing that is a demonstration of closeness, right? So, so in the same manner, when we express ourselves in that way to, to God, it is, it is not this sort of self-righteous complaining. If, if anything, it's, it's being vulnerable before God to sort of express kind of that full, full palette of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So then what, what are some reasons why lament is, is an important element of a healthy life of faith? Um, I, I mean, I mean, I think we, we kind of get these rationales that we're always supposed to be totally joyful and, and, and that we're always supposed to reflect that we are full of perfect and great faith. And, and I, I almost feel that sometimes subconsciously and, and very consciously, uh, we're talking to ourselves or we feel like others are talking to us and saying, Hey, just pull yourself together. Um, mm-hmm. even Martin Luther was someone that he felt that it was, it was great to display your faith through unflinching joy and that you should not, um, be lamenting. <laughs> and, and so, so what's hard is that, um, you know, when you, when you kind of encounter this, you realize that there's something working against, against us that tells us this isn't healthy, healthy, but the, the reality is, is it is like it, it's actually good for your spirit. It's good for your soul um, because it gives you this chance to kind of to kind of process in a way that we're not always encouraged to. And, and by giving you language to do that, it allows you to direct that um, towards God and, and to allow Him to deal with the situations. And so it it actually builds up a confidence because it reminds you of what matters yeah. um, as you're going through it, as you're starting to loop through. Um, how you're feeling and you're expressing it to God, you remind yourself, okay, but God has been faithful, even though it does not feel like it right now. And then you might express yourself and go, I'm still going to keep talking to God and keep praying, even though I don't want to, because it doesn't feel like it's going. And and so it actually builds some better rhythms, some better disciplines um, in, into our lives by by doing that. And, uh, and, and then what's nice is it gives you the ability, and I, and, uh, I was talking about this recently in, in a prayer time we just did this morning about it, it's not always something that's for us, that it actually helps you to participate with others that you know that even if you're not in their head or in their heart, you know that they're writing and expressing themselves the same way you read it in the Psalms or the same way that you're crying out. And you're going, man, as I even sometimes read through lament or process how I'm feeling, I'm going, man, there's other men and women that are in even greater hurdles, trouble, frustration, grief, distress. And now how do I pray for them? Yeah. For their, their perseverance, for their um, continually going before the throne of God. And, and so it, then it can become communal as well. Yeah. And I think it's supposed to be because we're not supposed to be afraid of each other's pain. And we're not supposed to always have answers. Like, I, I think that's one of the big piece. Um, and I know that's something that even spurred this, I think for you and I, is that there was a great article by Tom Wright about how Christians don't have to have answers right now to all this stuff going on. We're able to be able to go, hey, we don't know exactly why, but we're gonna sit alongside of one another and we're gonna weep with one another and we're gonna cry out to God and we're gonna pray for one another. Um, and we're gonna express this together. And that that becomes fruitful. Yeah, yeah, and and I think in our culture where there is sort of this this spoken or unspoken pressure to have all of the answers, that can become very sort of emotionally and mentally stressful when easy answers aren't there. And, and I think that that's sort of part of the beauty of lament is that it helps us say, okay, that, that a response to trouble it doesn't need to be that we have an immediate solution because sometimes that's just not reality. But it also doesn't mean that we ignore it or stuff it or try to pretend it's not there, but rather we can acknowledge it and and invite God into that. And, and I think that that's so important because the emotion that comes with 
painful experiences, those emotions are there whether we acknowledge them or not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just feel, and I would imagine you'd agree with this sentiment, is that if there are, if there is sort of part of our um, of experience is just emotional beings that we are are keeping from God or that we are somehow disconnecting from God, th- that creates a level of dissonance that really isn't healthy. And, and, and I think it, it causes us to think, well, God can't meet me in my pain. God can't be with me in my struggle. God can't be with me when I'm just having a really rough day and I'm not in a good place. And it, when the reality is, I think lament teaches us that, no, actually, we can invite God into that. And that can be a really helpful part of processing those things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it works against cultural expectations and even religious expectations. Um you know, like when I think of, I, I know you've been doing um, a Bible study with some of the men recently, and even within in, in males' concepts of masculinity, we have this this aspect, and even within the, the Christian church, that men are not supposed to look weak, and we're not supposed to cry, and we're not supposed to um, express. We're supposed to show a bravery and a courage and a confidence, and uh and what happens is that you know whether men or women, we we end up allowing those external pieces to shape those external responses of others to really shape this. And so like what you were just saying, we don't allow ourselves to, to go in and, and take that invitation right. and speak to God because there's something subconsciously holding us back going, we well, shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. And people shouldn't know. Um, yeah. And because again, it would show us weak. Like, I, like, I mean, to get a, even a little bit more raw and I'm not endorsing this, but I, I've had times where, um, in, in my grief, in my uh, crying out to God, or even when I'm processing it with someone else, I've, I've wrestled, and I think properly, with the aspect of, you know, is it okay for me to swear in my rawness? And, and I'm not saying like, hey, we should go and like, you know, have a swearing thing at the Lord. But sometimes that, that expression that comes up, um, it's not that you're swearing at God to degrade him, but you're just trying to express the rawness. And and so I've sat with people before that they're, I mean, they're dropping a lot of words, but I'm not sitting there as a, as a pastor next to them, judging them or can, because I, I don't think, I don't think God's sitting there going, well, you're doing good until you use that word. I, I, I think God goes, you know, I think God puts his hand upon our shoulders and our heads and, and, you know, he's looking at us and he's going, I, I understand the gravity of this pain of, of, um, of your expression. Now, it doesn't mean that we want to do that all the time or think that, that there's a freedom to always do that. But I, I, think, I think there's even that becomes an element of we're shaped um, in, in all these other things. And then I think there's another element that happens that people think it's um, we're supposed to avoid all negativity because then that's somehow going to shape us with a negative energy. And, and what's sad about that is when you even hear Christians start using that terminology, it, it's really an integration of Far Eastern philosophy that kind of tells you that if you have negative energy, you're, you're bringing an imbalance. But that's not how God functions. God, God knows us the best, again, and, and he's, he's allowing people to go through these swings. And so he's not going, well, if you're doing this, you're just going to be um, you're increasing a negative negativity. And I think altogether the reason why all this is important is because it's not saying that you go around and you function as an Eeyore all the time, or you, or you function as a, as a Debbie Downer, you know, all these idioms that we use, but um, there are spaces to do that, but it's spaces to do that with the Lord. And I think my camera just <laughs> again, 
we currently cannot see you, but we can hear you. Oh. <laughs> And um, you're gonna, you're going to be back in just a second, Matt. Okay, you're back. After X amount of time, it just goes. Yep, you you know we don't have to see your face anymore, and that's fine. I I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, so can you let's just let's shift just a little bit. And of course, there are a million examples we could we could point to in scripture. I have one that I want to point to, but but I wonder if maybe you could point us to to one or two examples of of where we see lament functioning in in scripture yeah so i'm i which one were you, are you going to talk about just so i don't steal one out of your hand i was going to do psalm 13. okay yeah that's good um so i mean th there's some of the more narrative ones where you have job you know going through what he's feeling and and he's going to start giving expression that's very very lament centered he's going to be honest he's not going to pretend things are okay um he's choosing to worship god in confidence while questioning god um, Jeremiah is another prophet that he's he epitomizes it as well. They call him the weeping prophet. Um, you know, he'll say things like, "Why is my pain unceasing and my wound incurable? Um, will you will you be to me, Lord, like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail?" I mean, that's very lament um, themed language. Um, I mean, there's a whole book. It's a small book um, called Lamentations that uh, that's going to walk through language of Israel's um, suffering and and destruction at Jerusalem. And so it's going to actually be a funeral song in essence is what it's going to be. But, but the Psalms that, that kind of come up the most is that you have um, actual Psalms of lament and that becomes almost 40% of the Psalms is Psalms of lament. And so, so you'll have, um, you'll have these things come up. They, they have all this human anxiety. They have this very earthiness like we talked about. And so you'll get um, individual lament psalms that is somebody expressing just for them. And then you also get communal lament psalms. And so uh, so even last night I was reading um, a few more just to kind of go back through because some of them are, are things that even Jesus picks up on, right? Psalm 22, Jesus yeah. will, will express that from the cross. And that's a lament psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and those, that's lament language. And you see even our Lord taking that upon his lips and using it. Um, Psalm 42 and 43 are sometimes the most, the most epitomized because of their structure, because they follow the lament structure very specifically. Um, Psalm 57 being another one that to me is very significant in terms of its language. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? You know, yeah. and you're speaking to yourself. Um, the one that I uh, I prayed this morning was Psalm 88, which is like probably the darkest and the yeah. saddest of the lament psalms because it gets to a point where it doesn't even finish with a um, it doesn't finish with a, a, a vow of confidence. Which it's is down and then it finishes super down. <laughs> it finishes by saying and and darkness is my companion, right? Right, like and and it almost finishes like with a broken song, like you're finishing in in a dark spot and. And so, you know, but you even have more beautiful ones like Psalm 139 that we look at as a praise psalm mixed with a lament psalm. Um, and then you have communal ones as well. But um, tell me about 13 and why 13 is significant for you. Well, well, it's significant for sort of a silly reason. And that is that it was introduced to me somewhat early in my Christian life. I'd only been a Christian for maybe, I don't know, four or five years. And I was, I was, a summer camp counselor at, at Forest Home, which is a camp in Southern California. And when you're a camp counselor all summer, the the preaching guy has the same five talks and you hear them 
you hear the same five talks every week, right? And one of them was about Psalm 13. So I remember hearing about it again and again. And, but the words really resonated with me. And they, I mean, and that's really been a, a, a kind of a key passage passage of scripture for me in a lot of different seasons of life, but especially especially in working through uh, pain and, and difficulty and sorrow. I mean, it starts with this this just terrible statement, in, in, the, in that it's just you can just feel the grief in it of of how long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Right, like that verse is in our Bibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, David praying, "How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me?" And, and I think the recognition of, of David feeling that way, and one of the things I love about the Psalms, and this drives a lot of people crazy, but I actually think it's awesome, is that a lot of the Psalms, right, like we just don't really know the context. I mean, some of them we do, but a lot of them, we, like we don't know why David wrote that. But, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I could go through each verse, but it's, it's just, man, how long are my enemies, you know, uh, my enemies will rejoice even when I fall. My enemies will say I will overcome him. And it's just this really kind of heavy language, but then verse five, it turns a corner and he says, but I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And I think that's that's a, a beautiful sort of expression and example of, of kind of the next thing I want you to talk us through, which is, is lament leading to trust. And that mm-hmm. lament and honest lament is sort of a prerequisite for kind of an authentic trust and connection with the Lord. So, so Psalm 13 is an example of that. But can you maybe just unpack for us, how does that work sort of practically in terms of how can lament actually bring us to a place of deeper trust and connection with God? Yeah. And uh, I, I, I know that one of the things that's been on my mind a lot more in the last couple of years is like understanding structure and how that plays into that practicality. And, uh, and, and that's where the lament psalms there, they have this uniqueness, this distinctive that they have this internal logic and this dynamic that's consistent, even if it's not always in the same order. And so, uh, so like, in the, you know, they always have that direct address, like you even read in Psalm 13 and this introductory cry, you know, how long, O Lord, and it's turning to God for help. And then it will go into usually the lament, proper, they call it, which is where you really get to your complaint and the trouble you're going through. And it's either God's your trouble or I'm my own trouble or my enemies are my trouble. But you'll usually go back to the past. And sometimes that's positive and and sometimes that's negative, but they'll usually go back and be reminded of how God has functioned in a previous situation. Um, When it's communal, it's Israel going back to how God has delivered them. Um, What's nice is they'll always move you and they'll either interrupt themselves in the middle or they'll do it at the end where they'll get to this confession of trust and they'll express their confidence in the Lord um, despite the problem. And, and that's yeah. where they'll often say, but you, oh God, like, yeah. hey, this is going on. This is horrible. I hate this. But you, oh God, are. And, and, and what happens is sometimes, and I love this about the lament psalms, and this is why I think it's okay for us to pray them, is lament psalms often will turn and become what's called a song of confidence. And they, they start getting themselves going on the confession of trust and this confidence. And then they suddenly go, you know what? Why am I so downcast? Why am I? Look at who my God is. And then they start yeah. moving themselves out of that dark pit that they're in. And that's where they'll often petition. They'll ask for deliverance. They'll ask for God to intervene. Um, and and, and, it, and what, I think what's hard, and this is one of the reasons I think people aren't comfortable with it as well, is that sometimes when you read these, it looks like you're trying to motivate 
or like push God to respond yeah. for your benefit. And then we always are questioning, are my motives true? Are they right? But we're allowed to ask. And, and I think that you can do that self-reflection and the spirit's going to gonna like tap on your shoulder, but we're allowed to ask. And that comes up in the Psalms. But then they often, for the exception of Psalm 88, will go to a vow of praise yeah. where they go, you know what? Here's how I feel. Here's what I'm expressing. God, I have confidence in you. This still is horrible, but I'm going to praise you whether or not I see the answer, yeah. whether or not I'm delivered. And, and that's the part that I think is super practical and healthy because you're not saying a prayer. You're not expressing this lament to solve something. You're doing it to strengthen your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. In the end, if you can get to the end and say, I'm going to praise you, God, even if things get worse. I, I think then we've stepped through our maturity and, and spiritual growth in a, in a really rich way. Yeah. And that, that really moves us going forward. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, great expression and explanation about how, I mean, I think even using that word maturity, how lament can can lead us to a place of deeper maturity. Can, can you talk us through real quick, uh, Walter Brueggemann, who for those who, who haven't heard of him, is just the, the one of the preeminent, if not the preeminent Old Testament scholar uh, in the world. Uh, he has this, just this great model for kind of understanding lament and how it functions. And, and I just find it to be incredibly practical and very helpful. So can, can you maybe just talk us through that real quick? Yeah. Um, actually, it was really funny, just a little personal side note, because I went to a, a conference, the SBL conference back in November, and uh, I was sitting in this, uh, this session and I like look over two chairs over from me and there's this older guy sitting there and I'm like, oh, he looks kind of like. Walter Brueggemann, but yeah, Walter Brueggemann wouldn't be sitting next to me. And then like, I kept like looking at him, and then I started doing that real creepy, like <laughs> looking at pictures to make sure, like, is that him? And then I verified later it was like he was sitting right next to me, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, you know, I've read a bit of Brueggemann's stuff, um, but yeah, like he um he talks about it, and he just gives some good terminology, like you're talking about, Brian, about how what happens within these Psalms of Lament is they, uh, they have this old orientation that we're, we're functioning from. And so that's where the hymns tend to work from. And, and there's, there's our normal security, our stability in life. And we want that old orientation where the status quo is happening and we're going through our rhythms and we're comfortable. And what happens is something disorients us, disorients us. And so that disorientation is, he says, where lament comes out of is that you're, you're going through your old orientation, how you know things are, and we tend to like sing about that, right? Here, here's where I'm at and I love it, thank you, God. He goes, something disorients us and that's when our, our hymn changes to this lament. And, and he says that that threatens our stability and so we express it to God. And what we're asking God for and we're able to even praise God for is that he reorients everything back for us. Does he perfect it? No. Um, but he, he reorients us and that gives us a reason to express thanksgiving and gratitude to God because we say, okay, you've resolved this crisis and that builds a new memory of trust in God, knowing that you can reorient my life when it feels disoriented. And then, then that takes you through kind of a, a repetition and he goes through that. So um, yeah, it's, it's a helpful way of just... Uh, you know, seeing things like that. There's a lot of scholars like him that have done stuff like that. Like you see it, the same thing in Genesis with creation that then moves to an uncreation 
that then goes to a recreation. And so it's actually a very common pattern in scripture and in our lives, but the Psalms are, are dealing with our expressions of it. And so that term orientation, I think becomes real powerful. Yeah, I think that's really powerful as well. And I, what I, what I like about sort of the orientation, disorientation, reorientation model is that de or, uh, dis or disorientation, excuse me, D disorientation is, is part of life. Uh, it's life in a fallen world. We will experience things that are disorienting. I, I just don't know how, if you will have a pulse, I have not yet discovered how do you avoid disorienting situations. Um, and, and too often we can either deny that something is disorienting or we can dwell, and I'm not trying to be clever here and starting them both with D, but you know, we can deny that something's disorienting or we can dwell in the disorientation and just sort of remain stuck there. Whereas what lament does is it gives us the ability to process, or if I really wanted to be clever, I guess I could say deal with, uh, to, to, to deal with that disorientation in a way that doesn't deny its reality, but also does not let it be the thing that just all of a sudden overcomes us. But we can actually work through and process with God this disorienting feeling. And then God in his grace and his kindness begins to reorient us and sort of shift our perspective from kind of the you know, from our trouble to shifting our eyes up so that we can, you know, we can see, see him and see that our help comes from him to sort of borrow language from, from the psalm. So, I mean, I, I think that that can be helpful. And I, and I guess as we, we begin to land the plane here, what, what I want you to talk us through a little bit is, is just what does it look like to apply these things that we've talked about? What does it look like to practice lament in this present moment, we're in a global pandemic. A lot of people have lost their jobs. People are dealing with health issues. People are, are dealing with financial issues. People are, 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 are dealing with sort of the disorientation of <clears throat> uh, either they don't have a job at all or their job looks way different than it used to. And that's just psychologically stressful. Uh, and we're dealing with family challenges. I mean, and you know, the list goes on. In what way can lament be something helpful for us in this kind of present moment? Yeah, it's such an important question uh, and an important practice for that question because we we move from the the why to that question that you expressed in Psalm 13 that has meant a lot to you, where you start going, "Well, how long, oh Lord?" Um, and, and and you start allowing yourself to speak to God about the length of time, and part of that is because you're, you're coming to that, you're trying to return to that truth that what's going, what's happening is, is a historical event. It's not an eternal condition. And, and I think that's the hardest part for us is we get very tunnel vision. Like this is our world and this is how it's always going to be. I'm a person that I get in that way sometimes. And we have to look and be able to express. And I think you do it the best when you're speaking to God in lament that you're expressing there were good things before. And there are good things to come, even if right now it seems like the good is not there. And what's hard is that there's a lot of us that things are not as bad, but there's a lot of people that it is. And again, that's where that communal element becomes very, very key that we have to not be just looking. And I'll use the word selfishly, but I'm not using it negatively. We, we have to look beyond just how I'm processing and feeling this. Yeah. In looking at what's happening with others and then going, Lord, reveal more to me so I can intercede alongside those people. And uh, and I remember sharing this with uh, Pastor Lance one time. That this is one of the beauties I find in the book of 1 John 
is that when he talks about um, the church loving one another and seeking after the good and welfare of another, the way he crafts everything in chapters three and four, and this isn't exactly lament related, but he, he crafts it as this balance hmm. that happens that there's times when you're going to be seeking after the good and welfare of someone because then they're going to seek after your good and welfare. And I think the same thing happens within lament that there's times when I'm processing through distress and I'm speaking that to the Lord and you're able to come alongside of me and process that and cycle through it with me. Um, and then there's a time where I'm going to be in a better spot and you're not. And yeah. now I can come along and do that. But, uh, but this is where I, I also, and I, I didn't know if we were going to get into this or not, but this is where the book of Lamentations also becomes a, a tool because it takes, you know, a whole song um, about one specific event and, and it laments about it, but it does something very specific. It takes it through this cycle um, mm -hmm. and it, Kind of give quick quick background on that is um you know the whole book of lamentations is written in acrostic patterns so chapters one two and four um are each part of the hebrew alphabet where it will go through all 22 letters of the hebrew alphabet three times or and then in chapter four it's only twice and so it'll go through alphabets alphabets and it will keep going through and then in chapter three it'll go through that alphabet three times yeah and and you're like okay that's significant um, and then in the final chapter, chapter five, it won't do it. And it will actually only have two verses that those two verses will do the acrostic. Mm -hmm. and, and you kind of go, okay, who cares? Like, well, the problem is, is the whole thing is very vivid language about the destruction of Jerusalem and people suffering and being in despair and crying out in anguish. And you really feel like it's saying, hey, it doesn't feel like a soul around cares. Well, I, I love what Eugene Peterson does with this because he says, even within the lament lamentations and how lament comes out there he says when you see that it's in an acrostic you realize that there's a cycle of how you express these things to god so that you identify your pain and you share it and then what happens is you might wake up the next day and you identify your pain and you share it and then you wake up the next day and you identify your pain and you share it and what happens is as you go through that circle that alphabet you start realizing i've already said the same thing multiple days in a row and that might make you go, okay, I need to say something a little different, or, or I might need to realize the confidence I do have, or I might need to, and and then you come to a place where you actually go, okay, I can finish. And that's where you get in the book of Lamentations, you get these pieces when it starts going, but I know where my hope is. Mm -hmm. And it starts going into that vow to praise and that confidence, and you see them break the cycle for a moment, but then they'll still go back into it but then they'll break the cycle again in chapter five. And a lot of people believe it's Jeremiah that wrote that. And so, so I think what's good is that when we're expressing these things out loud to the Lord, one is knowing that we have the freedom to be that raw. It, yeah. it opens us up to listen more to the Lord mm. as well as know that he is listening because we know he's listening when we're praising him and we're worshiping him and we're giving, you know, expressions of thanksgiving but to know that he's listening when we're even pointing the finger at times and going, God, it feels like you're, you know, and knowing that God can take it. And, and, and so I, I think these things, they, they end up again, they, they shape us. They give us a process for navigating this ourselves, and they give us a process for navigating it with others. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think, I mean, it, it's such a, it's, it's such a great explanation of how, lamentations just as, as a book of the Bible. I mean, we can look at Psalms and some other 
places that express lament and they teach us how to lament. It's, it can be sort of a handbook for lament. I don't mean to oversimplify it, but, but that's how it can function in sort of teaching us how, but it, it, it is, you know, arguably, but I think most likely, I mean, most would agree the case that Lamentations is probably the best example of that in scripture and how, as we're reading these laments and they go through that process that you describe, it can almost teach us how to lament ourselves, how to go through that process of, of grief, of pointing the finger, of recognizing God's goodness in the midst of it, and then coming back. And, and, I, and I appreciate the fact that that Lamentations is a little bit messy in that regard, that it's not this just sort of clean, well, I'm, I'm not happy and now I'm happy and everything's great. It's like, well, no, okay, now we're back, you know? And, and I think that that speaks to <clears throat> the complexity of human emotion. And, and I think as I apply that even to this time that we're in, I just in talking to people and I know you have as well, and even looking a little bit at my own experience is, is I look at my own heart and I feel like, you know, about 90% of the time I'm okay. <laughs> it's things are challenging and they're weird and they're, and they're tough. And it's, you know, every family is affected by this stuff and my family is no different, but by and large, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm focused on doing what I need to do. But then there's that 10% of the time where I'm just like, dang, this is just a drag. Uh, and, and I don't mean necessarily a drag because of our family. I mean, you know, again, not without its challenges, but I just, I look out into the world and I see what's going on and I see how people are affected. And, and I think that there was a time in my life where I would have tried to ignore those emotions a little bit. And mm -hmm. I just wonder even for, for our listeners that some might relate to that somewhat where, where you just want to kind of ignore those emotions and pretend they're not there. And then, then others who, who would want to kind of just, all we can do is dwell in that 10%. But I mean, I've tried to develop the discipline of when those feelings really come is just to acknowledge that before the Lord, like, God, this is a really, this is just really rough what's happening in the world right now. And, and, and I know this didn't come as a surprise to you, but man, it, it, I'm, I'm not real happy about what's going on. And I know a lot of other people aren't, aren't too. And I think that what that does is that honesty for me, and I know for others, it, it can kind of pull me out of it a little bit in the sense that I get done praying those prayers and things are still bad, but it, God can use that to redirect me to a place of deeper trust, which, which I find pretty helpful. And, and I would imagine you've kind of had that similar, you know, experience at different times as well. Yeah. It, the term disillusionment has been one that I know has dominated my mind a lot in the last month or so. And I've had that at other seasons in my life with how I've looked at the world as well as the nation, as well as myself. And, uh, um, but, but again, I, I find so much encouragement with the fact that the Bible organizes grief and labels it. Yeah. Um, and, and it actually details um, what that can look like to, to speak it. And, it. and then it tells me it can terminate. And, and then I, what I like is that that's when I know that there's more of the Bible too, right? We're not going to only fixate on lament. We're yeah. going to go to those messages of hope and we're going to go to the, I mean, we just all celebrated the resurrection recently. Right. And to know that if Jesus can raise from the dead, which is the greatest power, mm -hmm. he can handle any of the things we're looking at and we're disillusioned with. He can handle and he can he can change. And we're still going though, how long, oh Lord? Yeah. <laughs> until until that happens. And so yeah, like this, um, this becomes an encouragement and it moves you into that that praise and that hope context, knowing again, because we know Jesus conquered death and because Jesus um, has put his spirit present among us and, and that there's still a future hope coming. You go, okay, this is not the end. 
Um, and then, and then what I love is that tour scripture will direct us to go. And so Matt, how can, how can you now be a part of helping others? How can yeah. you be a part of, uh, of not only guiding others, maybe in prayer, uh, or, or encouraging others, but you know, where can you help across all these things? Once you get yourself out of the cycle for a moment, how can you be in that stronger place where you're blessing, knowing that I'm going to send people to help you when you go back into that loop? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a really good word. Okay. Well, that's a, uh, I mean, I, that's, that's, that is super helpful and in a really great way to think about it. And I, I mean, I love sort of how lament can kind of get us out of our own heads a little bit, uh, and, and redirect us to these core truths that are, that are, that remain true in the midst of hardship and, and that we can really anchor ourselves to. Well, this was a really helpful conversation. Just so much great information uh, was shared. And, and man, Lament, I know you and I agree on this, such a, such a powerful and helpful resource. So thank you very much for helping us to kind of unpack that a little bit and just see how Lament can be something that can, that can help us in, in these crazy times. So appreciate it very much. You're welcome. Amen. Thanks everybody for watching and uh, we'll see you again real soon. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.